Hi everyone, welcome back to the MedBullet Step 2 and 3 podcast. In today's episode, we cover the topic of small bowel obstruction found under the gastrointestinal section at medbullets.com. Let's begin with the clinical snapshot. A 45-year-old woman presents to the emergency room for abdominal pain, nausea, and non-bloody vomiting for the past day. She has not had any flatus during this time. She also endorses decreased appetite. She has a past surgical history of cesarean section. On physical exam, there is diffuse tenderness to palpation of her abdomen, but no rebound tenderness or guarding. An abdominal radiograph shows dilated loops of small bowel, which is confirmed with a CT abdomen and pelvis. There are no masses identified. She is admitted to the inpatient floor, and a nasogastric tube is placed. Let's continue with an introduction to small bowel obstruction. As a general overview, remember that this refers to a partial or complete blockage of the small intestines. And in terms of the epidemiology, remember that this is a common disease, and risk factors include prior abdominal surgeries, which are the most common risk factor, since they may cause post-operative adhesions. Other risk factors include masses or malignancy, hernias, inflammatory bowel disease, and intussusception in children. Moving on to the presentation, the history may include a decreased appetite, lack of flatus, and constipation, and common symptoms may include nausea and vomiting, and abdominal pain. And on exam, one may note abdominal distension and generalized tenderness to palpation. In terms of further imaging, one should obtain an abdominal radiograph, which is indicated as the best initial step. Specific findings may include dilated loops of small bowel, as well as free air that may indicate need for immediate surgery. One can also obtain a CT of the abdomen and pelvis, which is indicated for the diagnosis of SBO. Specific findings would include dilated loops of small bowel, a transition point, and any masses that may be present. In terms of other studies, serum lab should be obtained and a lactic acid should be measured to monitor for bowel necrosis if it is suspected. And other invasive studies that may be performed include a small bowel follow-through with gastrographin. This is indicated in patients who fail to improve clinically after 48 hours of non-operative treatment, and this may help to rule out the need for surgery. In terms of the differential, make sure to think about appendicitis with distinguishing factors being that imaging will show enlarged appendix with signs of inflammation instead of dilated loops of bowel with a transition point. And in terms of treatment, conservative options include supportive care, with specific modalities being intravenous fluids. Medical and pharmacologic options include treating the underlying condition, as well as nasogastric decompression and bowel rest. This is indicated in partial small bowel obstruction without any signs concerning for bowel strangulation. And surgical and interventional options include surgical intervention with correction of the causes of the small bowel obstruction, such as lysis of adhesions. This is indicated in patients with peritonitis and signs that are concerning for bowel strangulation, such as systemic signs, such as fever, as well as metabolic acidosis and continuous pain. And complications related to small bowel obstruction include bowel necrosis, peritonitis, and bowel perforation. And lastly, with regards to prognosis, Remember that partial SBOs often self-resolve. However, complete SBOs may also self-resolve, but often require surgical intervention. Now that we've discussed the major points relating to small bowel obstruction, let's walk through some questions to apply what we've learned and get a sense of how the topic might be tested. For the first question, consider the following clinical scenario. A 33-year-old woman with a past medical history of Crohn's disease, depression, and pelvic inflammatory disease presents to the emergency department with abdominal pain, nausea, and vomiting. 
She states that her symptoms started yesterday and have been worsening until today. She has been unable to have a bowel movement during this time, and every time she eats, she vomits shortly thereafter. Her initial vitals are unremarkable, and physical exam is notable for a distended and tympanic abdomen. One hour later, the patient complains of worsening abdominal pain. Her temperature is 97.9 degrees Fahrenheit, or 36.6 degrees Celsius. Blood pressure is 104 over 64. Pulse is 140 beats per minute. Respirations are 12 breaths per minute and oxygen saturation is 98% on room air. Laboratory values are drawn at that time and demonstrate a hemoglobin of 14, hematocrit of 44%, leukocyte count of 10,500 with a normal differential, platelet count of 233,000, and a lactate of 5 millimoles per liter, with normal being less than 1.0 millimoles per liter. The patient's exam is notable to have significant rebound tenderness, which of the following is the most appropriate next step in management? And the answer choices are Choice 1. CT abdomen and pelvis Choice 2. MRI abdomen and pelvis Choice 3. Nasogastric tube Choice 4. Transvaginal ultrasound or Choice 5. Urgent surgery The best answer to this question is Choice 5. Urgent surgery this patient has a history of abnormal bowel given the transmural inflammation from Crohn's disease and is initially presenting with symptoms suggestive of small bowel obstruction, as evidenced by the nausea, vomiting, and failure to have a bowel movement. Her symptoms suddenly worsen and she experiences rebound tenderness, suggesting irritation of the peritoneum or bowel rupture, and a lactic acidosis suggesting bowel ischemia, which requires immediate treatment in the operating room. A small bowel obstruction occurs whenever there is abnormal bowel that has adhesions which subsequently entrap the bowel. Previous surgeries, trauma that violates the abdomen, or inflammatory conditions such as Crohn's disease are all risk factors for small bowel obstructions. Any patient with a suspected small bowel obstruction should have a CT scan performed to confirm the diagnosis, have a nasogastric tube placed to decompress the bowel, have the pain controlled, and IV fluids administered. If there is a worsening of symptoms, unstable vitals, or any concern for perforation, the patient must immediately be taken to the operating room. Let's also discuss why the other choices are incorrect. Choice 1. CT abdomen and pelvis would be the appropriate initial study for this patient with symptoms of a small bowel obstruction. However, this patient's symptoms have progressed and become more severe. Also, she is hemodynamically unstable, making CT an inappropriate test. Choice 2. MRI abdomen and pelvis is not the appropriate study for diagnosing a small bowel obstruction. It may be indicated to diagnose appendicitis in a pediatric or pregnant patient as it decreases radiation exposure. Choice 3. Nasogastric tube and IV fluids are the appropriate management of a small bowel obstruction as this combination decompresses the bowel while providing IV hydration since the patient is NPO. This unstable patient should immediately be taken to the operating room. Choice 4. Transvaginal ultrasound would be the appropriate study for ovarian torsion, which presents with sudden onset of severe lower abdominal pain with nausea and vomiting. An ultrasound would show an absence of blood flow to the ovary and ovarian edema. Treatment involves urgent laparoscopy. Finally, a bullet summary. A small bowel obstruction that is complicated, such as one that demonstrates unstable vitals, lactic acidosis, or severe or worsening pain, requires urgent surgery. For the second question, consider the following clinical scenario. 
a 69-year-old female presents to the emergency department with crampy abdominal pain. She has a past medical history of hypertension, dyslipidemia, and cholelithiasis, status post-cholecystectomy. The patient states that she has not passed stool or gas for 48 hours. On physical exam, vitals are a temperature of 98.4 degrees Fahrenheit, heart rate of 105 beats per minute, blood pressure of 155 over 101, and a respiratory rate of 16, with a saturation of oxygen of 96% on room air. Abdominal exam is notable for distension, tympany to percussion, and tenderness to palpation without rebound or guarding. Which of the following findings are most likely on radiograph? And the answer choices are, choice one, free air under the diaphragm on upright abdominal radiograph. Choice two, apple core defect after lower GI series. Choice three, multiple punctate mucosal outpouchings through the serosa on lower GI series. Choice four, ladder-like series of distended bowel loops with air fluid levels on abdominal radiograph. Or choice five, loss of hostral markings and a quote-unquote lead pipe appearance of the descending colon on lower GI series. The best answer to this question is, choice four, ladder-like series of distended bowel loops with air fluid levels on abdominal radiograph. This patient with prior abdominal surgery presenting with a painful distended abdomen and history of obstipation is highly suggestive of an acute small bowel obstruction. Abdominal radiograph is most likely to show ladder-like series of distended bowel loops with air fluid levels. Small bowel obstructions account for around 15% of all surgical admissions in the United States. Adhesive disease, typically secondary to previous surgery, accounts for around 75% of all small bowel obstructions, with malignancy and hernias accounting for another total 16%. Conservative management with nasogastric suction, IV fluid hydration, and bowel rest is an appropriate first strategy for patients who present without evidence of peritonitis and who are hemodynamically stable. Patients who fail conservative management or who present with more advanced disease require immediate surgical management. The study by Jackson et al. discusses the diagnosis and management of intestinal obstructions in adults. They conclude that in hemodynamically stable patients, IV fluid hydration, nasogastric intestinal decompression, and bowel rest is an appropriate first strategy to attempt to resolve the obstruction. However, hemodynamically unstable patients, patients with perforations or ischemic gut, and patients who fail conservative management require surgical intervention. The study by Maung et al. discusses the diagnostic approach to patients with small bowel obstructions. They conclude that the use of helical computed tomography plays a central role to the diagnosis of small bowel obstructions, as it provides incremental clinically relevant information over plain films that may lead to changes in management. Let's also discuss why the other choices are incorrect. Choice 1. Free air under the diaphragm is characteristic of hollow viscous perforation. This is unlikely given this patient's abdominal exam and vital status. Choice two, this is a characteristic finding of colon cancer. This patient's presentation is more consistent with a small bowel obstruction. Choice three, this is a characteristic finding in diverticulosis, not small bowel obstruction. And choice five, this is a characteristic finding in ulcerative colitis. That's all for this review about small bowel obstruction. We hope that was helpful. This is the MedBullets Step 2 and 3 podcast, a daily audio review session for MedBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for medical student education. 
As a reminder, you can follow along with these podcast episodes by reviewing the topics directly on medbullets.com. You can listen to these episodes on the MedBullets website or phone app while reading through the topic. If the MedBullets podcast has been valuable to you, we'd be thrilled if you considered leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all tomorrow, right here on the MedBullets Step 2 and 3 podcast.